Sequence is loading. I want you out of my office. I'm an attorney. I graduated top of my class at Suffolk University Law School. I passed the bar exam the very first try, and I was recruited by the best firms. I killed a man. Ready, ready, ready. Relax. Breathe. Enjoy. Move it. Denny Craig. Move it. All right, everybody. Walk and love. Move it. I'll see you, Guido. From Forest Rain Studios, you're sitting in the home of boston-illegal.org, and you're connected to Boston Illegal Radio. And today we have for you a story of exposing protesters, a Bruins wake, running for the DA, and Catherine is cooking her books. It's Monday, February 13th. It's a week after the Boston Legal Tuesdays that we had last week. I'm Dana Greenlee, and you're listening to Boston Illegal. It's the unofficial weekly audio experience that both Kyle and myself bring to you every week. Thanks to David E. Kelly Productions, 20th Century Fox Studios. Watch right here on ABC on Tuesday nights. Today, Boston Legal Radio is essentially a conversation about the 14th episode. That's 14. We're halfway through the season of season two. This one's called, Kyle? Breston Show. What is that again? <laughs> that would be Breast and Show. Yeah, emphasis on that, Kyle. All right, this is Kyle once again with me all the way from Florida. We're glad to have you back. I've, is this two podcasts in a row now for me? Yeah, well, it's a streak. We're going to continue. Yes. If we can both get through this, we're both suffering our colds. Yes. Uh, be sure and uh, check out all the different ways you can get Boston Illegal Radio. I'm sure you've already... Figure out one way if you're listening to us right now, but we're, we can be on your cell phones now. If you go to Melodio.com, you can download the free software onto your mobile phone and listen to it on the move, as well as at Odeo.com, uh, podcast.yahoo.com, and of course, the granddaddy of them all, iTunes. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct the episode, Breast and Show. I'll go into my good, bad, and ugly review of the episode. And of course, at the end, we'll go over into some Boston Legal News of the Week. This podcast, I'd like to mention, uh, Dana's been doing this for the last couple podcasts, dedicating the podcast to a crew member or a person that was especially significant. And this week, I would like to de- dedicate the podcast to Danny Lux and Sharon Gersh. Do you know who they are? Well, Danny, yes, the, the uh, scorer. Sharon Gersh does something similar. What is that? She's the music editor. Well, now that's interesting. They must work hand in hand. Right. Or I, side by I side. I decided to give it to the music people. Well, are, were you particularly touched by the music that they did, as opposed to the guests aren't guest artists, or? Well, both. I mean, I figured the music editor probably has a hand in in choosing which you know songs are put in the episode, and yeah. obviously Danny Lux does the score. So, I like that. We're music people. That's great. We are music people, and I got I personally, I'm sure you did too, got a few emails asking who the artist was at, towards the end of the episode, the Michael Bublé song. So, oh, you said it just perfectly, <laughs> Bublé. <laughs> That's, That's why I decided to dedicate this podcast to the people who do the music for this show. And I, I might just follow it up with a little self-promotion. Come to boston-legal.org. Go to the music link. There's a page dedicated to the music from each show. It obviously needs a lot of work. So if you know a song that was in one of the episodes, there's a place for you to comment on it or go to our forum and do so. Let's talk about the topics that we have at hand for Breast and Show. Storyline by storyline, as always. It's kind of a random thing, but I'm going for... The uh, the breast <laughs> storyline first. 
redistricting and the protests surrounding that. Then we'll talk about sort of a sidelight to that storyline, Brad and the DA's office. And then uh, we'll merge into Daniel Post's wake with the Bruins and Catherine and in Garrett's office. What a great little story there. It really was. We'll finish up with the balcony as well. Yes. All right. This episode was put together by, directed by Arlene Sanford and written by the writing team of Steve Sutton and Michael Rice. And as you were telling me a little bit before the, we started, um, Arlene, the director, yes. has directed the six episodes of Desperate Housewives, but she's no virgin to Boston Legal, is she? No, she's also directed Schadenfreude earlier this season, the second episode of this season, and uh, an episode in season one, A Greater Good. And worked, I mean, she's been with The Stable for a long time. Yes, Ellie McBeal and uh, Boston Public, too. Well, as we mentioned, we're going to start with the redistricting protest, which actually started before the actual protest with a little come on. Um, I think um, Alan got a little bold. Well, he's he has no problem with being bold, and he placed a phone call to Irma, who we met in last week's episode, and proposed something. They met in a local bar and had this conversation. Ms. Levine. Mr. Shore. I took the liberty of ordering champagne. Thank you. Mm. So, these fantasies. There are many, and varied, actually. But now that you're here, they seem a very poor substitute for reality. Well, I'll admit I've been having some fantasies of my own. Have you? Tell. I walk into a building, my old high school gym, and you follow me inside. And there are these booths set up. It's election day. Why not? I go into a very small booth and you follow me in. Your hand like the breeze reaches up my inner thighs and I turn around and I say it's not right and you say shut up and let's do this and you say what's not right and I say it's not right that I should vote and my vote doesn't count due to redistricting Helen tried you said shut up and let's do this and that wasn't what she had in mind Oops. She kind of had this thing. She plotted this out. I mean, is that strange that she was leads a women's shelter in these protests? But she's manipulative in a sense, too. Yes, but that's part of her appeal to Alan, I'm sure. Oh, like like uh, birds of a feather. Right. I should mention that Irma Levine's played by Elisa Vidal, who we probably know most from being in ER. She was uh, a paramedic, right? That would yeah. actually had a relationship with one of the other characters. Lesbian yes. relationship. Yes, she did with uh, Carrie. And wasn't she? Oh, she was also in Third Watch. Okay. What we're we're not going to actually play the protest, but why don't you explain a little bit what happened, and then we'll play the court case that happened right after the protest. Basically, the idea behind the protest that Irma put together was to draw as much attention as possible to their cause of redistricting by doing the protest without wearing tops, mm-hmm. and. Of course, this had them on the news, and it drew plenty of attention, not to the fact that they were concerned about redistricting, but by the fact that they were decently exposed. Even though I think we all realize that in some cultures, it's no problem taking off your top. Not only is it against the law, but 
the DA's office decided to sort of make an example of this, whether it's, you know, really the DA gunning for them or a little bit of ADA Reigns consternation over a botched interview at Cranepool Schmidt. But this is what happens when they all meet in court after, of course, Irma's arrested. And of the two or 300 protesters, she's the one that's pulled in. Docket number 667065, Commonwealth versus Irma Levine. One count of disturbing the peace. Your Honor, at this time, the people would like to amend the complaint. We're charging Ms. Levine with Penal Code 272, Section 16. Open and gross lewdness and lascivious behavior. Are you out of your mind? How do you plead, Counselor? Time out, Your Honor. That charge is a felony. This woman was arrested as part of a political protest. There was nothing lewd and lascivious about it. Read the statute. She violated it. This is absurd. If she's convicted, she'll be forced to register as a sex offender. Save it for the jury, Counselor. How do you plead? Even more not guilty than we were prepared to plead a moment ago. Conference with the clerk to set the trial date. Next case. Why are you doing this? I'm late. There were 200 women arrested that day. Are you going to charge them all as sex offenders? We're going to see how this case goes first. ADA Reigns is played by Anna Ortiz. She was in Over There. I caught, they're actually repeating that series now on FX and oh, ca- caught her... Um, performance there luring a married man she's married to um into an affair while their significant others are fighting the war an actress with range yeah that's right well she's pretty disgruntled here too it's just kind yes, of like undermining the case goes on where actually alan decides he needs a, <laughs> a female presence on his team and so he brings in Who's the go-to girl ah shirley of course dear shirley with one of the great lines which i don't have here where she she doesn't feel very comfortable certain you know referring to certain parts of the anatomy, you know she wants that to be and, and also certain undergarments as well. <laughs> no hooters, no underpants. <laughs> That's great. So the court commences and um, there's this is during actually Shirley's arguments. She's she has Irma on the stand and um, trying to present the real the political reason behind their complaint, not you know ignoring the whole the breast part but denny who insists insists that he's part of this team because you know his boobs (laughs) exactly comes in sitting there at the table with alan while shirley's doing her questioning and uh, is kind of waiting for the breasts to come out (laughs) say you voted for the incumbent congressman last election and i live on the opposite side of the street and i voted against him his party can draw the line down the middle of the street to include you and exclude me Can they really do that? With computer modeling, they can be very exact. This isn't about boobs at all. It's foreplay. Wait your turn. Uh, why did you start this group? To protest the war. We had our shirts on then. There were nearly 100,000 of us in the streets. A sea of people. But the local news reported that only a few thousand showed up. It's as if our protest didn't even happen. So what did you do next? We continued to protest with little effect, and we eventually learned that in order to get your message heard, you had to shock people. You had fantasies about this college girl. She's nothing but a talker. Moment, please, Your Honor. Denny, we're trying to work here. Give him your keys to play with. (laughs) The keys. This is like a little child. Yeah, she chews him like a toddler. (laughs) And in some respects... Bev hasn't calmed him down much. No. That's the, all the sound bites we're going to play for that particular storyline. But 
it does come down on the side of good and breasts. So I think that Shirley's done a good job of pointing out that, you know, it's a little suspect how they have sort of targeted what really wasn't the issue here. Right. A side part of that particular storyline all folds in together, but I've chosen to sort of pull it out and feature it because, you know, it involves Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving from interviewing the ADA, which Holly Raines, if you can call it interviewing, all the way to assisting Alan in trying to work out some kind of arrangement or something or some kind of bribe or um, bullying situation with D.A. Bodner slash Berger. The guy has two names, depending on, depending what, on what episode you're in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's start out with how this particular storyline started out. And that would be Holly has come in to be interviewed by Crane Schmidt, which is something that was set up last episode by Alan so that she would let Catherine off. It's all it's all a complex web of It's flavors. all connected. Yes. And for whatever reason, she's interviewing with Brad, which I thought Alan wouldn't point her in that particular direction. Um, <laughs> and when she says, Alan's a very fine attorney, did you catch Brad's expression? Yes, I just... Yeah. All right. <laughs> whatever you say. So tell me, why do you want to work at Crane, Pool and Schmidt? The money. I've served for six years at the DA's office, working 80-hour weeks, eating dinner out of to-go tins. My furniture is from my parents' garage, and I buy my clothes from Janny's Dress for Less. And I could tell you some crap about wanting new and exciting challenges and blah, 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 but why not just be honest? It's the money. What kind of business could you bring to the firm? Well, I made a lot of contacts when I was doing white-collar crime. I also know a lot of cops and detectives and inspectors. And, of course, I am wired into the DA's office. Uh Uh-huh. That's the website for a ski resort. Yeah. It's Whistler. Do you ski? No. That's really a shame, because here I am freezing my butt off on Mount Pendejo. Adios, muchacha. Pratt knows his Spanish, I guess. Yes, he does. I mean, did you go to, like, dirtywordsinspanish.com? Oh, I already, I already knew that word. You did? I uh, take Spanish, and I've heard yeah. it more than once. You want to give us the, the English translation? Well, it doesn't translate okay. uh, directly, but I, I guess I really wouldn't want to say it on air. Uh, on air. <laughs> okay. We'll just put in a big beep there. Yeah. Fool is probably the nice way to put it, right? Right. All right. Um, there's a big discussion about that word over on the, actually, the Spader message boards. I've always heard it's a, it's a D word with head attached is the closest thing you can get. Okay. All right. That's, well, That's you know, what I've heard. You live in Florida. I think you'll yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what, what type of Spanish you're talking to. Down here, it's a lot of Cuban Spanish, so. All right. Well, you know, I think, don't you think we should uh, send Holly the brochure on um, how to give a proper interview 101? <laughs> Because I don't think you just jump up in the middle of your interview and go walking around the interviewer's desk and check out what he's looking on his uh, computer, right? Oh, she's aggressive. Well, you know, I thought he was looking up information about her, something online about her. He was going to, like, bring it to her attention. But no, he wasn't, was he? No, he was he was farting around. He was looking at uh, how to spend his new partner money. Yeah. Traveling up to B.C. to go skiing in West. It's his own Nemo Bay. Yeah, it's interesting because I know that there's this thing now with British Columbia and Boston legal. By the way, did you know Whistler is going to be the site of the next 
Winter Olympics. Interesting. Yeah. Rob's going, my husband, is like, I'm booking my resort place right now. He wants to go. That's pretty cool. Well, it's not far. It's just across the border from where we are. Oh, that's cool. So it didn't go well. She stormed out of there. He shredded her documents. It comes back to bite him because Alan then goes to court and she's just as tough as ever. We actually played that soundbite where she upped the charges extremely. Alan comes storming back into Brad's office, actually to see him not just sitting at his desk, but sort of doing wall sits. Wall sits. Is that what you call it? <laughs> uh, that's what I, or the easy chair. Okay. But where he's suspending himself, basically, bent yeah. need in it over space. Too. I've done them. How long can you do it? Uh, I've never timed myself, but it's a good exercise. You, well, it's great for, I guess you're a ball player, so. Yeah. You would need to have strong quads, uh-huh. not just for skiing. What the hell happened in your interview with Holly Rains? I don't like your tone. And you're square. Game over. Now what the hell happened? Didn't like her. She was only here for the money. Brad, everyone from the senior partners to the assistant janitor is only here for the money. Okay, look, you had an affair with Tara. You paid your assistant to sleep with you. I'm a partner now. I'm not going to let you use this firm as an escort service. This was not about sex. It was about bribery. I had to offer her an interview to get Catherine Piper off. Now you've made her mad as she's taking it out on another client of mine. What the hell are you doing? Strengthening my quads. Ski season. Finally, to bring this all to the close, um, at the end of the episode, Alan out of, I don't know if it was not desperation, but it was interesting that he, things weren't going Alan's way this episode, were they? No, they really weren't. He was kind of losing, messing up. You know, his intimidations didn't work. It was nice to see that, though, because he's not supposed to be infallible. But for some bizarre reason, he's asked Brad to help him out. Brad shows up for some bizarre reason. Yeah, for some yeah, even more bizarre reason, Brad <laughs> decides he's going to help. Yeah, I don't know. And, and taking him as, you know, at face value, he's like, I'll just follow your lead, I guess. And they meet over at the courthouse, march into D.A. Bodnerberger's office. Bodnerberger. Bodnerberger. And yeah, I want to know what the deal is with that. <laughs> the two last names. This is what happens there. I'm here. What do you want? Brad, would you agree that you owe me one for the egregious way you handled the Holly Rains interview? Alan, her attitude was... The important thing is I agree that you owe me one. Just follow my lead. Mr. Bodnar, we're going to lose this case. Yes, you are. And I don't know what to do about it. We could get through the appeals process, but so many of our fine judges are not into the First Amendment these days. And if by some miracle we make it to the Supreme Court, well, they're not that tickled to the First Amendment either. So, as you can see, I am in a pickle. You didn't need to come down here to explain that to me. No, I know. But I did need to explain this. It's Brad here. What about Brad here? He's decided he's going to run against you for district attorney. Really? Yes. I mean, I think he's a natural for politics, don't you? Look at him. Gorgeous. And tough on crime. The man single-handedly rescued a kidnapped child. The Republican Party is bound to love him because he's so demonstrably pro-torture. A man who's not afraid to get his hands dirty while he cuts off the fingers of others. Oh, you're a Republican, aren't you, Scott? Mr. Shore. I wonder uh, who you'd party rather have carrying its standard. You or Captain Handsome? 
I love that, Captain Hanson. Captain Hanson. We cut off that little discussion because it does go on for another couple minutes. Yes, it does. It's terribly funny. If you want to see the whole thing, go to boston-legal.org. Got the video up. Imagine that all the little clips of Brad are, are up on the website. <laughs> yes, indeed. But the best thing happened when he, when they left the DA's office. The DA not falling for anything because, you know, the guy's been around the block plenty of times. He yes. knows <laughs> knows an empty threat. And uh, he says, I look forward to... You know, running against you. Um, he calls their bluff. Goldilocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, he calls their bluff. Alan does this. Well, you don't see this face very often, but he does that sort of like perplexed look, you know, like he tilts his head. I and, can't believe that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and they walk out into the hallway. Brad, you know, you don't actually have to run. On the other hand, you have made a powerful enemy. And I think you've learned a valuable lesson about following my lead. Thanks, douchebag. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pouty mouth. Oh man, I know what is this? I would, I can't say it. this is the guy that I thought was Mister Ethics. You know? He said crap last week, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, and oh, there's been others, right? So now we have <laughs> a new storyline. This is actually the, I believe, the last we'll see of Daniel Post. It's unresolved, so you don't know if it's the little Joe syndrome or not. You know where anybody who a regular falls in love with, they they end up dying. Die. This particular little Joe love interest rides off into the sunset, and we don't know. Daniel Post, who's been with us for several episodes so far, has fallen for Denise. Denise has fallen for him very fast, and he knows he's dying of lung cancer, so he decides to throw a living wake, I don't know, a funeral, so that he can enjoy it. And it's a big party. Yeah. And being from Boston, they're into hockey and the, the Bruins. Bruins. Yeah. yeah. So that's the theme of the party. If I could have your attention. You've gathered here tonight to pay our final respects to that guy who's eating the buffalo wings. I know we look at Daniel and everyone here is thinking the same thing. How much is he leaving me in the will? No, seriously, after our folks passed, Daniel was the one there for us. He always has been. And he always will be. To you, bro. I love you. Now let's have some Zamboni cake, huh? That was um, Stuart, I think, which was one of the brothers of the clan post. The post clan. The post clan. There's uh, Terry, there's Kathy, a sister. And I just realized now... Huh, Anybody maybe wants to, hmm, I wonder if I still have that up. I have some dialogue that actually didn't end up appearing in the episode. This was from a script I saw a few months ago, actually. And there was this exchange with Kathy and, and Terry and Stuart and about who was the dumbass, who was the smartass. And then and Denise says, and I'm the no-ass, something like that. I don't think they actually did that in the episode, did they? No, I, I didn't see yeah. that. I should make sure and put that as the missing dialogue, which happens, I guess. Chop, cutting room floor. Cutting room floor. So this is the big party. But Denise is actually kind of, you know, kind of tries, but then ends up sneaking out, leaving without saying goodbye to anybody. But Daniel does notice that she's heading for the door and is concerned. So they have this little confrontation right by the door of the bar. Hey, hey. You know you're wrecking my funeral. I know. We're here 
and it's you and your friends and your family and it's like a beginning only you're it sucks that's it it just sucks this is this is good for you and everyone in there is unbelievable and i have been trying i really have Did any of that affect you, actually, Kyle? The emotional scene of it? A little bit. Oh, tell the truth. Not too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well. Somehow it didn't quite touch me either. I love I love Michael J. Fox. Me too. Denise is pretty good. Except, you know, she is not an emotional person and and maybe that was what didn't ring true, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not in character for her. Not my favorite storyline altogether. No, it's not. Darn. So we pull back toward the end of the episode for the last soundbite from this particular storyline. He pops back into her office at some point, maybe a day after the funeral. Hasn't talked to her since the funeral. This was actually a little more touching. I think the last line that you'll hear uh, Daniel Post say, which is kind of humorous and kind of sweet, too, kind of got to me. I can't keep going. Okay, time out. Don't decide anything yet, okay? Because uh, I got something. Look, I'm going to Switzerland. They got this experimental treatment in Samaritz that I scammed my way into. And I don't know if it's going to work, but I figured it's worth a shot. And if it does, then I'll be back. And then decide, okay? You're going off like a dog, aren't you? What do you mean? When a dog knows it's going to die, it goes off into the woods by itself, and uh, rich guys go to Sam Ritz. They have beautiful woods there. Yes, they do. I'll see you, Greta. see you guido very nice do you remember why he said guido from the why don't you enlighten all of us oh man i was afraid you're gonna say that (laughs) i'm trying to remember the reference i mean they they were in bed together and he he called her guido and i think she said why it's a pet name yeah but didn't it have some kind of reference to Uh, i'm not recalling jeepers i shouldn't bring something up and then not deliver but uh, anyway it was it was kind of nice because it's pet names and of course they're being they're being trying to be lighthearted, or he is yeah. anyway, because they got beautiful woods there. <sighs> so he's he's gone for now. The final one, just a little tidbit, because it's is it not a great line? It was. This is Catherine. Catherine, who's now the sandwich lady. Yes, she is. Catherine also feels a, a sense of ownership somehow to this firm. I don't know. I think when you survived two, um, I don't know, potential lifetime prison sentences you know? yeah she feels like she belongs yeah she does and oh sweet garrett sweet garrett 
So it seems like she's sort of taken over his office and he doesn't quite know how to be polite enough to, you know, I mean, she is an older woman and, you know, he wants to be polite. He doesn't know quite how to throw her out. Comes to Paul. Paul Lewiston says, you know, she kind of smiles when he says it later, but, um, you know, why can't you handle this? You know, you, you're an attorney. You're an attorney. You're a litigator. You can throw out a, an 80 year old woman. So he attempts this, sadly. I want you out of my office. I'm an attorney. I graduated top of my class at Suffolk University Law School. I passed the bar exam the very first try, and I was recruited by the best firms. I killed a man. That's great. Talk about a case of one-upping. He blinks at her and and kind of leaves, not sure what to say after that. There's really nothing you can say back to that. That was a threat. <laughs> yes, it was. And if the threat of murder wasn't enough, later she comes back at him with liverwurst sandwiches, right? Yeah. <laughs> she says, oh, well, we can work out something. You have, you can have your office for four hours a day, but you have to buy two sandwiches from me. The tongue and the liverwurst. You know? I happen to like tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Another great line. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Justin Mintel probably believes that to his very core. Yes. Uh, I'd love to see Garrett keep on keeping on in the storyline. <clears throat> I haven't yeah. seen evidence yet, but uh, I have faith. I do, too. Same with Sarah. She's been... I know. Been. Ever since the Halloween episode, I think, right? Mm, yeah. I think well, so. no. She did come in, I think, for the um, intimidation episode in the Dinny and paintball situation, too. Uh, she just pops in those. <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, there's still, although it does mystify me why Catherine isn't in somehow the credits that show every week, but these two guys are. We'll just bring them on. Yeah. This brings us to our final balcony scene, which we started with a balcony scene, right? Didn't yeah. the episode start with Alan standing on Alan. a balcony alone? Dreaming of Irma. Dreaming of Irma. He was drinking, but there was no Denny. Denny was, well, we'll find out where Denny has been. Yeah. Diet scotch. It's Bev's idea. She wants me to slim down for the wedding. Uh, uh, I've been wondering, Denny, are we drifting? Drifting? Apart? Apart? Yes. No. Good. shock there's a bomb uh, it was a bomb there was no conversation after that either no it was just like a little there you go yeah either denny just didn't care that much or you know he knew it somehow or he knew already yeah yeah but none of us did no that, so. that's been a topic of discussion it has now where do you fall on this do you want to see one day his ex-wife or not i think we have to no how long did certain characters have spouses that you never saw i mean think of like will and grace you never saw stanley Right. Um, I'm sure there are others. Then the neighbor in that that other company. Yeah, home improvement. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. I want to form my own opinion. I don't want to uh, have it shown to me. Yeah, well, I want to at least know more. Okay. Yeah, more and more is good. Yeah. But this might be sort of another 
well, I don't know. You know, he had that big house, that huge house in the practice. Yeah. Which he sold to move into a hotel. Was that part of it? Someone else mentioned, know. you know, he had a two or three year live in relationship with a short person. Yes, he did. Uh, was that someone he was married with? Or? I I don't know. Okay, we just throw out the ideas. Yeah. I'm sure whoever she was, she must have had some effect on him, so. Well, the other um, thing that just cemented in this whole balcony scene is that they do have a true addiction for alcohol. <laughs> yes. That would be the only reason they kept drinking after they about threw up. <laughs> they were making some pretty nice noises. They were. I saw the screenshot from the East Coast, you know, three hours before an episode, even two hours before it aired over here on the West Coast. And I thought he was yawning or something. I thought he was sleepy. But uh, no, he was making a horrible face. Yes, he was. <laughs> You see some screenshots in our forum, by the way, boston-legal.org, forum, um, and <laughs> they just kept drinking. I hate this stuff, drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is nasty. Gulp. Uh, what's a week of Boston Legal podcasts without my favorite segment? And that would be... Your favorite segment? <laughs> it is, because I'll, for one, I just get to sit and listen to the... Yeah, that's, I take the lead for one. <laughs> Eloquent words. <laughs> you always have such good insights. This is Kyle's, the good. The bad and the ugly? Yes. The good, the bad, and the ugly for the 14th episode of this season two breast and show. Um, first, as always, the good. Um, first thing I wanted to mention under the good was Alan taking up yet another hot button issue case. This is when he shines, is when he gets to preach in the courtroom, and he does that again here on the issue of redistricting. Um, also, uh, while I'm talking about Alan, I'd like to talk about Alan and Brad together. I, I love when they interact. They have some of the best interactions on the show, and I loved Brad doing wall sits and Alan trying to dethrone him and failing. <laughs> a little small victory for Brad that Brad probably needed in that little rivalry that he and Alan have going on. You know, notice he didn't, Alan didn't knock him down either. Right. The man's but tough. That's what, I'm, that's oh, what, that's I mean. what you he meant. kicked the leg, and Brad just went right into the one legged wall sit, and I was like, <laughs> all right, Brad. <laughs> Love it. Uh, also, um, I'm liking the little sizzle between Irma and Alan, especially since um, in the beginning scene she showed she showed her strength because she she was only teasing Alan to get what she wanted, which was his representation in court. But then we also had that little scene at the end in the elevator. So I'm liking the heat. Oh, so you know this is something in case you haven't seen the episode, you need to imply what did happen in the elevator. Um, they had relations. Yeah. They got to know each other. They did. Currently. <laughs> okay. Um, and the last thing under the good was, um, I guess it could kind of go into the bad as well, but Brad, when are you going to learn not to trust Alan? <laughs> he's never had, Alan's never had Brad's best interests in mind, and it just seems like silly for Brad to want to help Alan out with the DA situation, which we talked about earlier. And uh, that said, it did look like Brad was seriously considering the idea of running for office when he was looking at that poster of himself. Well, so, you know, Brad's a good man. He really is. I think he, he loves the law. And as far as why he trusts, you hear an interjecting, why he trusts Alan, I don't think, of course, it's not trust. It's just that he wants so bad to drag Alan to the right side of the line, you know, that he's going to afford him as many opportunities to sort of patch that. He believes in being straight with people. No matter how many times it gets him burned. <laughs> He's going to keep giving chances because that's the kind of guy he is. Okay. Next is the bad. Um, first thing I 
put under here was Catherine stealing Garrett's office because that poor, poor kid, he's always getting walked on. Um, Denise dumps her paperwork on him. Brad tells him to shine shoes. He really, no matter what he does, he can't catch a break. Uh, the good news, however, is that we've seen Paul's office on the show recently. So we know that the conference room is vacant. Why don't they use that? I don't know. Catherine. Also under the bed was um, Brad looking at the ski resort when he should have been conducting an interview with the ADA. <laughs> she is an ADA that wasn't exactly the smartest move. Now he's made himself one enemy, and then he goes on to make himself an enemy of the DA, too. Well, so that's Frank two in one episode. Frank hates his guts, the other ADA. Right. So. And lastly was just the issue itself of redistricting. It seems as if every week um, there's some tremendous monumental problem that David E. Kelly wants to bring into the light. And this is just another one of them. And one that I wasn't even aware of. So You weren't? Well done. No, I didn't realize that they... I'd heard of it, but didn't realize just how pervasive it was. Would it look like a small intestine or a liver? I don't know, whatever they described yeah. the map. <laughs> and lastly, the ugly, which I've taken to just putting one thing in the ugly each week. Um, this week, that thing would be Daniel's funeral. No. For me, it was just unnatural. I've always heard people say that, like, at my funeral, I don't want anyone to cry. I don't want anyone to wear black. I want it to be a celebration of life. But this took it a little too far, in my opinion. And, and I think Denise's reaction captured that perfectly. Yeah, with the underscore of Dead Man's Party by Uncle Boingo, you know, which is yes. like a very happy morning. Go check out the lyrics at the... Forum, the forum. For those of you who didn't forum. listen to Oingo Boingo in the 80s. Right? Yeah. Well, I think that leaving one ugly in there is probably sufficient. Yes, because it's it not is. an ugly show. You know? No, it isn't. And unless there's something, like, really that it needs to be mentioned, like fingers being cut off, then I can <laughs> usually keep it to one. You know, that thing keeps coming up. <laughs> yes, it does. mentioned again. You know, he's wincing over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Was that the end of Good, Bad, and the Ugly? That concludes the Good, Bad, and Ugly. All right. Anybody who loved it so much, and how could you not, come to the website. You can read it. Slightly yes, changed. Can. Without my comments to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of our deconstruction with um, Breast and Show. Breast and Show. But next week we have what to look forward to, Kyle? We have Smile. Oh, what a nice... You know that I use... No, I shouldn't say it. That actually has been in the past, not a current password I use a lot, because... When you type smile, you smile. So what a lovely show name. Except it's actually about not being able to smile. Uh Uh-oh. Let's just hear what the... uh, Well, I actually have two previews for it. Let's hear one that aired immediately after Breston's show. Next on Boston Legal. I'm a partner. I wouldn't trust an associate with a case this important. Step away from the ventilator. Move away. She asked for you especially. No, why would she do that? Amelia is 18. She was assaulted and raped two months ago and taken to the nearest hospital. My first thought was the morning after pill. Dr. Tustin said that that wasn't an option at a Catholic-affiliated hospital. Marissa can't smile. Marissa has a disability, and you and your institution are discriminating against her. We have every right to discriminate against a disabled student. Oh, my God. So really, it's about uh, discriminate. Well, actually, it's about rules of private institutions, be they a private school that may be discriminating against a young student who doesn't quite fit in and a private religious hospital that has beliefs of what they will and will not administer to patients that come in. Right. That one is sure to stir up some controversy. Yep. And um, and we can talk more about it next week. But it was interesting because mm, probably early in December, I had someone write me who runs one of these um, organizations that uh, support the rights of people to have, you know, this, to have the morning after pill, that kind of thing. 
and they heard about this episode and I had seen the script again. So I had sent that to them and they've, they've actually made a whole website thing based on this. So they're ready for their point of view to be put out there, um, after this episode airs. But anyway, we have another quick, um, preview that ABC has put up and has been playing during the week. And here it is. Tuesday. I was raped, and now I'm pregnant. You need them when your life is shattered. She was deprived of a option because her doctor did not approve of it. He failed her. You call them. Marissa can't smile. When your dreams are broken. We have every right to discriminate against a disabled student. Oh, my God, you're a lawyer. Yes. I, too, am a lawyer. I can be painfully vindictive, and I do not play fair. And all new Boston Legal. And I'm just getting started. Tuesday, 10, 9 Central, only on ABC. And uh, we do actually have the transcript up right now. Of course, by the time you're listening to this, the episode might have actually already aired, but I do have a few scenes up there that you, if you want to have a little early preview of the episode, you can read a little bit of it. Interesting. And it's time to look at a few bullet points of news concerning Boston Legal this week. Kyle, you usually like to lead out with what the ratings were for Breston Show. Yes, Nielsen's numbers. First off, the total viewers this week was 11.24 million and a 7.5 out of 12 share for ABC and in the 18 to 49 demographic a 3.4 out of 9. That puts Boston Legal sixth on the night behind American Idol, House, Law and Order SVU, NCIS, and Criminal Mind, which is a little drop off from past weeks, but it did hold its, hold its own in its time slot, taking second, um, comfortably ahead of CBS's Love Monkey. And despite the weak performance of that show's lead in crumbs. Also from zaptoit.com, at 10 p.m., Law & Order SVU bumped NBC up to the top spot with a 10.2 out of 17, while Boston Legal posted a, like I said before, 7.5 out of 12. And CBS's Love Monkey came in at 4.4. So that's becoming the typical order. SVU in first, Boston Legal on a comfortable second, and CBS's Love May it rest in peace, right? Yes. CBS has canceled Love Monkey. Axed it, yep. And we do want to point out that um, if anybody really is into the ratings, we've got two excellent contributors to our ratings oh, yeah. area. We've got graphs, everything. Oh, that's great what they've done. Sue and Top Dog. Definitely go to our forum, check out the ratings for season two. And they also actually have one for season one, some graphs. And it's amazing. And, and it's discussed out. endlessly, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Every little nuance. And in fact, actually, Top Dog's been posting um, regional ratings, so wow. for San Francisco or for other locations, where I think Boston Legal is number 16 out of, you know, usually they're hanging out in the, in the 20s, top 30 maybe, but it was interesting in San Francisco there. That 16. makes sense that that type of show would do better in an urban area. I think so. And the coasts, I think. Yes. Because that's a little more liberal. Yes. <laughs> And sort of in a following of the whole ratings, because I think a lot of it may depend on your lead-in and stuff. Um, ABC's not showing a lot of love right now to Boston Legal. They yanked Commander-in-Chief, trying out a new show called Sons and Daughters. Actually, we're going to have George Lopez lead-in um, until early March um, before Boston Legal. And it's not just George Lopez, man. It's the repeats of George Lopez. So, oh, boy. Oh, we're just dying here. Thanks a lot. And this is sweeps, right? Yeah. <laughs> February sweeps and what's going to happen when you have... No offense to George, but you know, it's it's repeats, man. And I've never even seen the show. Pat. Neither have I. And then, and then we have a new show, which maybe looks interesting, Sons and Daughters. Yeah, it's 
Lauren Michaels. It looks kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Lauren Michaels. Okay, good. So it might be good, but the fact that it's brand new may also yeah. not bode well for Boston Legal. as a lead into Boston Legal. Right. And supposedly Commander-in-Chief will return um, April 18. Now, I haven't researched this at all, but I guess someone said at TV, tvguide.com today, they they put something in there that when Commander-in-Chief returns, it'll return at 10 on Tuesdays. So where is Boston I, That's going? what I'm saying. Please let it be wrong. Please let TV Guide have just made the most a egregious flub. error. So I need to research this. And, you know, if you're listening to this now, chances are we have the straight scoop at some point. Go to our forum and we'll put and bail it there. Let us know, yeah. Okay, we have some uh, at least one calendar date we want to bring to everybody's Yes, attention. we do. Um, February 20th, we'll have William Shatner on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson on CBS. All right. Check out, see what he's hawking now. <laughs> yeah, what is he? What is he selling on on eBay? Well, you know that's right. I think doesn't he have? I don't know when it airs. I think it's coming up. TV Land is doing a thing with him, kind of following him around, doing his concerts and stuff. Maybe that's. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. Hopefully, he'll talk about Boston. He's always good about mentioning the time, like right off the bat. Yeah. Mentioning. <laughs> um, we also have some DVD news. DVD news. Yes, the first season DVD will be on sale on May twenty third, and we can pre-order it right now at amazon.com so if you want it go do that right now i did it did you i have not yet (laughs) it's going to be good because of the features right they've got a commentary going with death be not proud which was the season in probably one of my favorites and yeah and interviews with the cast and so that should be interesting how it all started that'll be worth it well, that brings us to the end of Breston's show. A great examination. Be sure and tune in to Smile on Tuesday. And every other, hopefully, we'll have uninterrupted Boston Legal all the way up through episode 27. Hopefully. I, yeah. TV Guide notwithstanding. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again so much for listening. Thank you, Kyle, for being here again. Absolutely. Sick as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both of us. Yeah, that's right. And as we head out into another week between podcasts you're listening right now to michael buble who is singing for once in my life it's not frank sinatra this was playing during the final scenes of boston legal this week and until next time it's not a mambo it's feeling like a heartbeat ka chunk ka chunk ka chunk hey shut up and dance mister at least for once i can say this is mine you can't take it i killed a man Yes, I know I got love, I can make it For once in my life, I got someone Adios, muchacha For once in my life, I found someone Shut up and let's do this For once in my life, I got someone who knows